turn with me this morning to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew, and we're going to read a few verses from, from chapter 5. We're into our summer uh, series called Lessons from Jesus. Pastor Josh opened up the series last Sunday uh, with a, a number of Jesus' words and his approach uh, being listening and learning. <laughs> you know, all of us as, as uh, parents used to be children, and uh, I'm sure that we can relate to some time in our life where our father or mother, whether they took our face in their hands and got us right eyeball to eyeball and nose to nose, and they said, now are you listening? Now, kids, we love to have you in our service today, and I know you're busy in your pizza boxes. Save me a piece, all right, because I like ham and pineapple, so just don't go eating at all. In the Arctic, if you took the last one, they say, oh, you took it all. When we were up there a few years ago, we learned that little phrase. Maybe, parents, you've done that with your children, where you have either held their hands or, or, or got their eyeballs on yours, full attention now, said, are you listening? Well, you know, the interesting part of God's Word is that God has given us His Word that we would listen to Him and more than just listening, that we would learn, and then we would take that learning and we would apply it to life. That's really what it's all about. That's really what life is all about. Let's read from Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Uh, the first, uh, well, 12 verses. We'll, we'll take a look at those verses. And this is a passage that may be titled in your Bible, The Beatitudes. So here we go. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together, shall we, before we dive into this passage this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that as we look at your word this morning, these are your words. Words spoken by Jesus, words written down by Matthew, and printed by numerous printers across the world for us to read and listen and learn Father, we thank you for Jesus' words here today as he begins a very powerful message, and we ask your blessing that it would be upon each one of us today and suit, uh, suitable to our needs wherever we are in our spiritual journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Blessing is not a new concept. Jesus said, blessed are, blessed are, and so on. Blessing is not a new concept, and it's first mentioned in the Old Testament 
in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 22, when, when God had created the birds and, and the sea creatures, and he pronounced his blessing upon them. It's interesting to note that when God created the sun and the moon and the stars and light and darkness and all of that sort of, of thing, he didn't pronounce his blessing. But when he, when, he, when he created life, when he created life in the sense of the fish and the animals, he pronounced his blessing on them, and he told them to multiply and fill their respective environments. His second blessing, the second time we find that word used, is uh, in uh, chapter 28 of, of uh, pardon me, cha- verse 28 of chapter 1, uh, and, and there's uh, the word uh, barak. It's a Hebrew word, and it, it means, means to bless, and interestingly, the word bless is used over 300 times in Scripture in different contexts. But this is the, the second place where God's blessing was now upon His creation of man, and He, he blessed them and told them, to, to multiply and, and, and fill the earth. There's one outstanding place in Scripture, and it occurs in uh, Genesis chapter 12, where God spoke to Abram, and he says, and this is the way it's recorded for us, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Think about it, friends, today. The blessing that we enjoy in our journey today is a ripple down of God's blessing on Abram way back there in the book of Genesis. It is fitting that Jesus' first sermon to the people gathered about him had to do with blessing. Now, we go back into Jesus' ministry, and we find over in chapter 4 that Jesus gave some instructions that the people should repent, they should turn of their sinfulness and turn to him, turn to God through the person of Christ. And then Jesus' first discourse, his first grand message to the people we have recorded for us here in Matthew chapter 5. Now, it's interesting also to note that it says here at the beginning of the chapter, seeing the multitudes. We could turn over to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, and we find the same thing. But when he saw the multitudes, it says there in Matthew chapter 9, that he was moved with compassion on them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It was not so much being weary and scattered physically as it was being wearied and scattered in their context of their spiritual life and their thinking. And Jesus saw that. And you know, friends, today, he sees into your life and into my life the same way he saw into them, only he saw into them physically. There they sat like you sit before me today, but he sees us. He knows us. He knows the very intimate thoughts of our very, very innermost being. And the interesting part of it is that when Jesus sees us and looks into the very innermost part of our being, He's moved with compassion for us. I love that. Because it isn't as though Jesus looks at us and says, I'll get him. Oh boy, will I ever go after her. No, that's not the way it is, friends. 
Jesus sees us and he moves into our life with, with a compassionate kind of an approach. Seeing the spiritual and emotional state of the people around him no doubt prompted this course, discourse on many of life's issues. And it goes on through the whole uh, next number of verses here on into uh, chapter 7, 5, 6, and 7 of, of Matthew. Now, as I was preparing for today, I was planning on doing the entire Beatitudes in one message. But as I was in my office preparing and I was working on my way down through it, I thought to myself, well, let's see, we start at 10. We should be done by 1. And that's about the time, you know, second service is sort of getting done anyway, so I think we'll be all right. No, and I was moved with compassion on you. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <clears throat> so what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? Well, blessed is to be enriched, fulfilled, contented, as we find in the person who does not walk in the way of the ungodly, but walks in the delight of the Lord, as we find in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man or the woman, the person in mankind. The answer is found, too, in the context of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. This passage called the Beatitudes is the first part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus deals with a whole lot of things. Now, I don't know how long a period of time that he, he taught the people as they were there before him, but if we were to go through and, and just read it, it would take you know a certain amount of time. Imagine that Jesus used some some stories, because he was a great storyteller. He used some parables, and perhaps he wove those in. But this is Matthew's record. Jesus began his ministry by announcing the coming of his kingdom. That's interesting, because they were seeking a king, really. They wanted a king. They did not like what was going on. They did not like the way that they were being governed by Rome. And any, anything of reprieve would be wonderful. So Jesus announced the coming of his kingdom in verse 17. In chapter 4, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the kingdom of heaven is something we enjoy now. All right? We don't have to wait until we die and, and, and go to heaven to be with Jesus. We had a wonderful celebration of a life here yesterday as, as, as we celebrated the, the, the life of Esther Jesperson. And, and what, a, what a celebration of a life it was and realizing how much she knew and loved the Lord Jesus and, and sought to do things for him. But knowing Christ as our Savior places us in an eternal context of togetherness with Christ. So friend, today, if you're here and you could say, yes, Pastor Art, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I know him as my Savior, then you are in a context of being together with Christ. You're in a context of being part of the kingdom of heaven. If you do not know Christ today, I would encourage you to recognize your sinful state. Simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, we find over in another passage of Scripture. But this is the situation that we are in the realm, we are in the presence of Christ right now. Our spirit is connecting with His, and the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount are descriptors and instructions of living those lives in the kingdom of heaven now. This is what Jesus was doing. He was telling the people, listen, friends, as you trust in me, as you believe in me, this is relevant to your life now. 
the, the Beatitudes are not commands that the believer must fulfill to enter the kingdom of God, but rather the Beatitudes are Jesus' teaching that they are results of the coming kingdom. So when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the results of the kingdom of Christ is what is brought out in this passage called the Beatitudes. So we're going to take a, a look at part of it today and, Lord willing, uh, part of it next Sunday. The Beatitudes are part of the gospel, the good news that Jesus the Messiah has come. And in, when his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, one of the parts of his prayer were, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Present tense. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Present tense. Not something future, not some pie in the sky, not something that we can't connect with, but something that we can relate to very much today in full relevance. The good news is that God was about to intervene decisively in history and produce people like the one described in the Sermon on the Mount. He wanted people to live and move and have their being in Him. Well, in the New Testament, the kingdom of God's gracious rule is where His will is done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the Gospels, the kingdom was a present experience. Jesus' miracles, teachings, and ministry are all manifestations of the kingdom. It was his work done his way for his glory. And you know, friends, I believe the sooner we can get that wrapped into our minds, into our spirits, into our beings, that his work done his way for his glory brings blessing, the sooner we can get that settled in our minds, the better off we are. We can't do things his work our way and expect his blessing. We can't do our work our way and expect his blessing. We need to do his work his way and we realize his blessing. Now let's get it straight, of course, that it isn't a matter of doing, doing, doing in order that we might become and then one day God will like us enough to take, him, take us to his heaven. No, no, no. It's a matter that we become. We trust Jesus Christ. Therefore, for any person is in Christ, it says in Corinthians, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it's a matter of becoming in Christ. And then out of our being, we move into the things that we do. And what a difference that is. We get the horse on the right end of the cart and how much a difference that makes. In the apostolic letters, the kingdom is a reality in the future. The fullness of it will only be experienced when Jesus comes back. So there's a two-part really there, and, and, and so we go. Well, let's dive into these nine statements of Jesus. These are not identifiers of nine different people. You say, well, blessed is this person, blessed is this person, blessed is this person. No, they're not identifiers of nine different people, but rather they are nine different conditions and identifiers of one person. I want you to get that straight this morning, that this is not nine different individuals that he's spe spelling out and focusing on, but rather nine conditions and identifiers of an individual. Each person who desires a full and meaningful relationship with Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he started off with. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, there's two Greek words for poor. The one Greek word is that one who works for a living, the one who serves his own needs with his own hands, and he's just struggling. He works day by day by day, six or sometimes seven days a week, just to try and pay the bills. But it just seems like he's poor. He just can't quite make it. And the other one who has nothing at all, and he lives in abject poverty, and it has driven him to his knees. Things have just happened and happened, and he's just struggling, and he's just living in abject poverty, and those two Greek words that we have for poor. Well, Jesus said, blessed, or blessed, which means happy, enriched, contented, is the man that does not rest or seek to live on the basis of his own efforts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Their happiness consists in relying on God's strength because they know he cannot fail, ever. They have certainty that in the kingdom of God, the Messiah will be fully in charge, and therefore they rest in that, and therefore they enjoy the blessing of that spiritual poverty. They are recognizing their spiritual poverty because of their sinful nature. They are recognizing that out of their spiritual poverty, they are brought to the beauty of life and abundance through God's provision through Christ. Only when a person realizes his own utter helplessness can he realize the full blessedness in his new life in Christ. You see, as long as there's some of me connected to my spirituality, I am limiting Christ in his full blessing. As long as I've got a piece of the action that, well, God, you see, it's because of me doing this and this and this, and after all, I'm really a pretty good person. As long as we've got a piece of our own reality attached into the plan, we don't get the full blessedness that Christ has to offer for us. But when we pull back and we say, God, I don't bring anything to the table. I bring nothing. I'm a hopeless, lost person. And it's all about you. It's all about your work through Christ. And I receive that. I receive that in humility. I receive that in simplicity. As a little child, Jesus said in Mark chapter 14, unless you become as a little child, Mark chapter 10, pardon me, except you become as a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That little child doesn't bring anything. That little child brings innocence and honesty and openness, therefore enjoying that full blessing. Well, so much more could be said, and we're not going to take time this morning. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. The Greek word here for mourn is that of a broken heart. The context of this brokenness is sadness because of sin, and friends, it's not because we're mourning because of the loss of a loved one. We've got a different meaning for mourning here. And you know what? It's not wrong to mourn the loss of a loved one. As a matter of fact, I believe it's very right because the Bible says we should weep with those who weep. We should mourn with those who mourn. But this is speaking about the mourning we experience because of the state of our sinful nature. But when we realize our Poverty in spirit, it brings about a state of mourning, a broken heart. The world says, how can a mournful person be happy? 
Well, you know, happiness sometimes depends on happenings. And there's a deepness, there's a depth, there's joy that is not based on happenings. And you know, we can be mournful in the state of a loss of a loved one or some other circumstance, but deep, deep, deep is our joy. But this morning is mourning because we recognize our sinfulness. Jesus says the way to true happiness must come through a radical shift in thought that first makes us see ourselves and the world as we really are. We are lost. We are people who are undone. We are people who bring nothing to the table. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And he wraps his arms around us and says, come to me. I have answers for you. Blessed are those who mourn. Number three, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You go, yeah, I'm waiting for my inheritance. There's nothing like a will to bring people out of the woodwork, is there? There's nothing like reading Grandpa's will to find out who the family really are. We've experienced a little bit of that in our life, not with our personal family, but with helping some others along in in, in working through things. They're waiting for their inheritance. They're waiting to see how much money Grandpa left. You know the story of the little kid that came to Grandpa and said, Grandpa, will you make a sound like a frog? Grandpa says, what? Will you make a sound like a frog? Why? Because mommy says, when you croak, we're going to get a lot of money. (laughs) In our society, the word meek is seldom, if ever, used. And if it ever used, it's a connotation that of a weakling, a wimp, a wet spaghetti kind of a person. But Aristotle described the meek person as I quote, the one between excessive anger and the one who is totally angerless, or the one who is angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. Psalm 37.11 says, the meek will inherit the land. And there's a second standard of definition from the Greek word pros. There is a reference to an animal, particularly one that is used in service, such as a horse or an ox, etc., that has been trained to obey the word or command of its master, and it does the task in that strength existing, powerful exertion of force into the harness to pull the load. It could be put this way. Blessed is the person who has every instinct, every impulse, every passion under control. Blessed is the meek. Blessed is the person who's got their life and their emotions under control. You see, there's opposites, controlled and undisciplined, humble and prideful, gentle and easily provoked, forgiving and revengeful, quiet and brash and rude. The world says only the proud and mighty have the power to seize the prize of ruling the planet. Only those who are clever and confident in themselves have any hope of holding on to authority and dominion. Nice guys finish last. Gentleness never gets you anywhere. So get in there and be bullish and press your way on, and that's how you got to be, friends. That's what the world says. Jesus says, according to the values of the world, meekness may be a disadvantage, but it is a wonderful thing in the values of God. You see, it's God's invitation to trust Him And to have the certainty that he plans and works will accomplish 
what he is pleased to do in our lives. The Old Testament prophets communicated God's promise to restore the land to Israel, and this promise was taken to be limited to the land that God originally promised to Abraham. In the New Testament, the promise is extended to a new heaven and a new earth, which where the meek will inherit and dwell. Let's be sure to remember the sequence of blessedness that Jesus is teaching here. Lessons from Jesus today, friends. Blessed are the poor in spirit, realizing our utter spiritual poverty. As a result of that, blessed are those who mourn, mourning the horrible state of our sinfulness. As a result of that, a meekness is developed in our life, and that meekness is power under control. And we go on to Beatitude number four, which says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, having an understanding, friends, today of our utter spiritual poverty, having an understanding as we mourn our spiritual poverty, and as we realize that meekness is a value that God places within us, then it drives us naturally into an attitude of hunger and thirsting for righteousness. As long as we walk around with an arrogant attitude that I can do it, it's all about me, after all, I'm intelligent, I'm handsome, I'm loved by people, I'm not too bad off financially, I live in a fairly decent house, I drive a decent vehicle, and I've kind of got it in control, then, friends, I would say that it's rather difficult to move into a state of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Because after all, why bother? We've got it together. Why would I bother to hunger and thirst after righteousness when really life is pretty good the way it is right now? Why would I bother? I've got many other things to do that I can look after. No, when we realize our spiritual condition when we realize where life has gotten us because of our selfishness, when we realize God's plan for us, and we start to mourn that and realize the meekness that Christ provides, it drives us deep into hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Well, as Pastor Josh pointed out last week, friends, Jesus wants us to learn. He wants us to listen. And he wants to have us enjoy walking in his full blessing. We're going to continue with the Beatitudes next week, Lord willing. And I would invite you to go ahead and read in advance. Please go ahead and and, and read the other Beatitudes, the other blessings that are listed there. But read them in the context. They flow sequentially. Read them in the context that it, because of this, this happens. Because of this, this happens. Because of this, this happens. And it opens up a whole new world of blessing and understanding for you. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we thank you for the beauty of your word and the beauty of your love. And today, as we celebrate you, we celebrate that love. We celebrate that grace. We celebrate that mercy. And God, what a joy it is to come into your presence. What a joy it is to see the beauty of your love around us and in us and through us. And we ask your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen.